Welcome to the Understanding Project Management Discussions podcast. I'm Dave Barrett. My guest today is Dushian Puri, and our topic relates to a key issue that I believe many organizations are grappling with. That is, how does waterfall and agile coexist and relate to each other as they deliver project outcomes? Through our discussion, Dushian describes how he has approached this issue. Please welcome Dushian Puri. Hi, Dushian. Uh, thanks for coming on the program. Yeah, happy to be here. Great, great. Well, well this is a, a significant, uh, a significant uh, um, a sort of milestone, I suppose, because um, you are the the first uh, graduate of the project management program that I've had on and have talked to you. You graduated the program I, a, a number of years ago. I think it was around uh, 2013. You were the second cohort, I believe, as we were talking uh, in the uh, uh, prior to to, uh, to prior to this. And it's a uh, it's really great to see the great things that you've done. You know, since since graduating, it's it's one of the really key things or really gratifying things about teaching is that is is to see this. So. Um, when we were talking beforehand, we were talking about what topic would be, you've, you've had all kinds of experience, which you'll, which you'll get into. And, and one of the things we were talking about is, is and, and this is something that's, that's central to a lot of organizations, is kind of the interface between, you know, sort of traditional or waterfall project management and agile delivery, you know, and how do those two coexist? Um, or, or how do they interface together? How do they, most organizations, they live in the same, the same organization has some projects that make sense from a waterfall and some that make sense from an agile and how do, how do the two live together? So, um, so that's sort of the background of what we're gonna talk about. So I'll, so I'll just throw it over to you and, and just sort of start with, um, you know, how did you first, uh, you know, I'm, I assume you started to see this in your work and, and how did you first start to notice this and, and uh, you know, just sort of give us a little background on that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, first and foremost, uh, thank you so much. That was really kind of you to um, uh, kind things that you said. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, extremely, uh, extremely lucky to be, uh, to have been a part of uh, the program and now Coming back to Conestoga College as a project manager is a is a bonus, I would say. Um, yeah. So uh, coming back to our topic. Um, so when I first started, after, just after, after graduating, I started working for a tier two uh, automotive company. So uh, tier two automotive or any of these automotive companies that are making physical products, uh, for the most part, are strictly stuck on waterfall uh, methodologies where everything is defined by a phase gate model. So uh, you go in your initiation phase, you finish that off, you close that gate and you never look back. So um, luckily with, with my initial uh, uh, job placements, so what, what I saw was there were a lot of times when we wanted to go back and change things, um, not even from a perspective of uh, a, a big design change, but from a manufacturing uh, change as well. So let's say there was a process that we'd figured out that how we're gonna manufacture um, a small little part that goes to one of the OEMs. So a, a very interesting thing with when you're working with a tier two or a tier one, a, a tier one company is when OEMs come out and request for a quote, they don't give you the same price for the next five years of the project life cycle. They always expect that there has to be a price decrease from year one to year five. 
and you can have a price decrease if um, if you are using the same uh, methods of manufacturing, you're using the same kind of equipment, um, and even just the same ideology of how the product was manufactured from day one against the end of life cycle. So a big hurdle that we saw in that case was when we wanted to go back and make any minor change, even in the manufacturing process, there is a mandate by the OEMs, uh, Ford, GM, and Chrysler, uh, that you have to get a re the whole process approved once more before you are able to go in and present uh, the change. So I, I found that there was probably an area where you could um, go back and make some minor changes in the process of how we did project management of those things. Um, and that's where, when, and, and that was the time when uh, agile methodology was not something um, that was very common or even to this day, when it comes to like proper equipment manufacturing, there is not agile methodology uh, picked up because everybody is one, extremely afraid of change and nobody wants to go through the entire process and accept that, hey, that my process can be changed and can be improved. So uh, I'll, I'll just, uh, uh, since since uh, I graduated in 2003, uh, you have been in the education uh, sector for this. How have you seen uh, a lot of, uh, you must have also seen that a lot of these organizations are now leaning towards, and even from an education standpoint, students want to learn more about Agile than just uh, the waterfall framework of uh, project management. Right, um, for, sure. for sure. Yeah, that that is, uh, you know, as you mentioned it, it is, I, I've seen in, you know, both in education, but also in, 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 in my, you know, uh, contacts and colleagues that are in industry, there is this, this exactly that of, of, you know, um, a number of years ago, um, it was, it was mostly waterfall. It was mostly the phase approach and so on. And, and so there has been this increasing interest in it. Um, so, so I've, I've noticed it as, as well. And, and students are, are wanting to know about it as well, but I just wanted to pick up on your, on your sort of the, the you know, sort of the history of, of, of your, of the, the organization that you were in and so on. And so, so just to sort of, sort of paraphrase. So you, you had a phased, a gated approach uh, but it was changes. It was it was manufacturing changes that were causing issues. Where um, any when changes were introduced, you know, proposed, it caused you know a, I think you said a, a reevaluation of the entire project or or the design. Was it they they sort of wanted to take a bigger picture of the of the design aspect. So what what basically happened in cases like this? Let's say I am manufacturing something as simple as like this small little injection molded part, right? So uh, if I want to go back and make a change uh, to the mold uh, to uh, maybe manufacture this quicker or uh, accept some of my customers uh, change requests or anything like this, the way waterfall would work is if a phase is closed and you want to go reevaluate, it starts off as a new project. So, a big hurdle in that case is there, there would have been a lot of time these companies would just end up spinning their wheels when a customer request would come in. And every new request was a sort of a new project because there was no flexibility in terms of how quickly we could go back and um, how quickly we would go back and be able to make that change. It's easier when the projects are smaller. 
smaller in the terms of um, when the duration of the project is like six months or four months where you have enough flexibility that yes, I can finish what I'm make, trying to make in phase one or as a, as a deliverable one. And then I'll start a new project when I, but I would start doing the evaluation a little sooner before my uh, original scope ends. So this over the years, uh, when projects were smaller, like I'm saying, it was, it was very simple, uh, not very simple, but it was simpler in comparison uh, for making changes. But as the projects got longer, like uh, imagine if working for an OEM and uh, an average uh, product cycle or an average uh, product development cycle is about 16 months. And uh, a big part of this 16 months is spent in the initial phases of the project where you're just looking at well, what are your specs, um, you develop your gate zero model and uh, you get the requirements from uh, your uh, market analysis team and your business development team, they'll give you a bunch of these requirements that are true for today. Right. But delivering a product 16 months from now is going to be like technology is changing so fast. Like uh, if I define, uh, if I, it's just like hard coding something in software that you know that you can't change on the fly. And your requirements are definitely going to change over the next 16 months. It's, it's absolutely impossible to predict what people would want 16 months from now, or right. even the technology is moving so fast. For example, uh, uh, from my experience, just looking about like three years ago, LiDAR was, uh, uh, was I, I don't want to use the word unheard of, but it was not uh, something that was extremely common. Now, uh, you, you see LiDAR in pretty inexpensive um, uh, implementations. Like it's not as expensive as it used to be. Development on LiDAR equipment is very easy. Right. So it just goes to show that if I define and, and point down everything that I'm going to need for a product that comes 16 months from now, it's definitely going to require some changes. Right. So, I mean, when, when I think of sometimes, you know, and I do a lot of thinking about, about uh, you know, waterfall or phased project management, which is very appropriate for some, for some many projects and, and, and uh, industries and so on. If you're going to build a, you know, the classic, always the example of if you're going to build a bridge, for example, um, you know, waterfall phased is, is very appropriate for, for something like that. Um, but you know, and, but there are there are ones that start to go, you know, agile, very appropriate for software development and so on. But there's a bunch of stuff in the middle. And, and that's the that's that's where we're talking about. And and one of the things I think about Waterfall is is one of its very strengths is its certainty. Right. You're you're able to say to your 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 project sponsor, your customer, and so on, okay, according to our plan, we will have it done in 16 months, you know, or 12 months or two months or whatever, it's certainty is its strength. However, it's, on the other hand, it's certainty is its weakness, as, as you pointed out, is that how can you be certain about something in 16 months or whatever the duration is in when, when technology is changing, when it's in, a, when it's in a, 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 an arena or a, a, a type of industry where technology moves, you know, or, you know, 
six months six months more before the pandemic who knew of that you know who who predict i mean many people had predicted it generally could happen sometime but not when it did so this the certainty of waterfall is both its strength and its weakness you know and and you know then we'll flip over to agile in a little while but it's also got its strengths and weaknesses so uh but but yeah so let's let's go back to your to so your so you're in this situation you've got this this case you've got you're in an environment where you you want to make engineering changes or design changes or customer requests but but the the, the, the mechanism of the waterfall is, is sort of preventing that, you know, it, it makes it difficult. You've tried to sort of shorten and many, many, I think many uh, uh, waterfall projects, one of the ways to mitigate this problem is to make shorter projects, you know, make many, many small waterfalls rather than one big waterfall. And then that's, and that's, it's valid, uh, but it's not always possible. Right. So, so, so yeah, so you're in this situation and is this when you started to play with Agile a little bit at, at that point? Yeah, so um, so uh, I'm, I'm going to take a quick step back, just uh, just just an example from uh, a manufacturing project lifecycle. So uh, we are we're looking at a 16 month lifecycle where a lot of times uh, project timelines are defined in a way with uh, keeping in mind either the best case scenario or the worst case scenario. So for a lot of time, it wouldn't definitely give you like an honest um, honest uh, visualization of the timeline. There is a lot more slack that you have to leave. Um, in, in cases of uh, in cases of when you're when you're doing uh, these manufacturing projects where there is a phase where testing steps in, you can design your equipment or you can design your part uh, to meet the absolute best specs, but um, in that case, uh, there are a lot of times this part is going to interact with a bunch of other parts that are maybe not something that you have manufactured, something that have a lot more variables in comparison. So in, in cases like this, where, where there is uh, equipment testing that needs to step in, you have to, uh, you, a, a lot of people also realize that, okay, my testing schedule says I'm gonna run this test or do my stress test for over a week. And then uh, I'm gonna leave another week for, hoping that uh, there would be a minor failure and then I would move on to fixing that issue, do another test and move on in life. So you have pretty much left a week and a half of slack just to keep in, uh, keep that buffer mm -hmm. and so that you don't have to keep pushing your timeline against uh, every time you, you hit a failure. On the other hand, let's say is the best case scenario and your testing goes perfectly, there are no concerns and after that, you just have a week of doing nothing. You will try to pull things back, but a lot of these, those things might also be dependent on your vendors. Like if, if I look at, uh, look at this from a project management standpoint, uh, there are times when things get very stressful because either you are running too fast or you're moving too slow. Mm -hmm. So neither of these, uh, neither of these scenarios are, uh, are ideal and it, and waterfall methodology makes it really difficult for, for something like this. Um, when, when situations like this arise, what we had uh, thought, and there was a request that actually came from our management is like, hey, you, your, your software team is doing great. Like I can see you guys are pushing out brand new products uh, in, in six months. And then there are, the, there are the up, these updates that you keep on making. How can we integrate 
uh, waterfall methodology and agile methodology into something smaller or something right in the middle where it helps me keep my deadlines uh, perfectly in place, but also gives me the agility to actually do development. So um, th this, is, this is where uh, it all started. Um, and even from agile methodologies, like, and, and this is really unfortunate uh, that a lot of times when people look at agile uh, methodologies and agile project management and looking at scrum cycles, they always feel that, okay, if I do a project in an agile environment, I have the freedom to do whatever I want. There are no timelines, uh, there is no scope. And, and this is completely wrong. Like I personally feel that with agile project management, when you're running a, a sprint, um, it's, it's a lot more strict in comparison to doing a waterfall because uh, the amount of tasks that are given to a team are so well thought out and they're, at, and they're in such a small window that uh, the flexibility uh, in that delivery is close to impossible. Yeah, I, I, I just, I'll, I'll just agree. I really agree with, with, uh, with, with, with what you're saying in that there is this sort of, you know, an idea and it's just a, you know, I, I think you've mentioned it and I, I've sort of sensed the same thing is that one, one of the attractions of agile is like, oh, good. We, we, we're, 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 we're unleashed from the sort of bureaucracy or the, 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 you know, the structure of, of the, uh, of the waterfall, little did they know, or if you, when you look at, you know, a, a methodology like scrum or, or, or others is that there, there's, there's almost more rigor there. There's more, they're very structured in terms of what happens. Now the team inside there, there's lots of autonomy of the, what the team does within, within pure scrum and so on. But the, the start end, what happens each day, et cetera, et cetera, becomes very structured. So it's, I guess that's a, be careful what you wish for in a way. Yeah. But, uh, but interesting, I, I want to come back to, to what you said um, about your, your management sort of, they were kind of, I, can I interpret this to say they were asking for kind of give us the best of both worlds is that we, we, exactly. we, like, we, we like the big, you know, we, we, we want the 16 month sort of window. We got to work with other suppliers and, 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 and companies and so on. We just can't say, well, we'll, we'll do things whenever they come out the back end. Okay. Yeah. So um, like you were saying that uh, management came to us and they were like, okay, uh, your software team is delivering products left, right, and center. It's moving fairly fast. Um, there's always something that's coming out for people to see. And, um, and what, what I would like to highlight is uh, there are some situations where waterfall methodology is the way to go. Like there's no, uh, there's no other way to actually do this, but under a waterfall methodology. But there are some places where uh, Scrum is the way to go or an agile project management methodology is the way to go. But there are times when, especially when you're doing uh, innovation, when you're doing research projects, when you're building uh, brand new uh, first to market technologies that are completely gonna blow people away, there has to be something that runs in the middle. Because if you put your innovation and your uh, R&D team uh, under a waterfall methodology, uh, it kind of uh, ties them down with specific dates of delivery. And uh, again, for, for, uh, 
for research and development, it's uh, a, a lot of it is just taking a step back, uh, doing research, finding out uh, how things are going to move forward in the next 16 months or next year or uh, next six months and build a prediction model. Right. right. That uh, this is how things are going to uh, things are going to keep moving. Right. So, so, what, so how did that work then? So you've got the so you've got the you know sort of the, the the waterfall structure in place, but you're also trying to have at least a part of the project or certain deliverables within it uh, delivered within an agile model. Uh, how do you how do you connect those two in 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 the work that you've done? So when when we're looking at an agile. Uh, uh, Agile system. Let's let's not call it a scrum uh, scrum cycle or, or, or Kanban or something like that. Right? When when you're looking at an agile system uh, and you want to integrate that with a phase gate model or a waterfall methodology, what uh, the way it would work is a lot of times, uh, and and I try and say this in the best way. When uh, people are building business cases, their business cases are fairly. Um, they, they build this business case in a silo and they're unidirectional. They, they don't actually want to, um, they, they know what they want, which is great for the team to work on, but they're only thinking about one thing at a time. Uh, for a lot of uh, what this creates, and uh, especially for uh, the development team, what, what happens in cases like this is there are a lot of times when you can uh, build a product but six months from now, another request comes in that would that would pretty much render the last product that you built obsolete. So it's not only a waste of resource; it's a massive waste of uh, research uh, research dollars that the company is spending on. A lot of time, this money comes from uh, funding agencies. A lot of time, it's a big pool of money that the company already has assigned at the beginning of the year. But in cases like this. Uh, let's say you spend um, about a million dollars and a half on developing uh, a system that um, that when your car is driving forward and it sees a wall, the car stops. But six months from now, somebody wants us to do the exact same thing, but when you're backing the car, right? So uh, it's not always uh, since when you are building this product. Uh, from the ground up, uh, there are cost restrictions, uh, there's a defined scope. So you build your system around, or when you're procuring controllers, you're uh, buying your sensors, you look at them from a standpoint that, okay, all I have to do is when my car sees a wall in the front, the car's gonna stop by itself. But now when you try to add the exact same thing on the, on the rear of the car, you realize that you've run out of uh, ports on your controller or your controller doesn't have enough processing power or the cost is going up the roof. But if I had developed the controller initially that already had some expandability options, well, now um, now it seems pretty obvious when, when people say it out loud that, oh, there probably should have been some expansion ports on, uh, on the controller from the get-go, but that wasn't the case because there were other... Um, other issues that were driving uh, the team to buy whatever controller they had to. Right. So, for, so when we step into an agile uh, methodology, instead of just uh, just keeping an, our eye on one task, what we would want to do is our management or our uh, BA team 
or anybody else who uh, comes up with these, like our product owners and people who come up with this like uh, crazy out of the world, brand new ideas uh, that are going to change everything to actually take a step back and spend a lot more time when they're scoping the project. So instead of just giving us one scope and giving the team a single scope that this is all you're gonna work on, we would take a look at the bigger picture first. What that would also help us do is maybe uh, there are some projects that need to start right now and are a must do deliverable, which are products, uh, products that are like high priority, right? Like uh, something that's gonna bring you dollars right now or is a request that directly comes from the end user. But in cases like when you're doing new product development, you actually take a step back, take a look at the bigger picture, and then you sort of start combining different products or different, uh, different uh, outputs from that project together. And then pick up, let's say, um, I'm, I'm just gonna go back to, a, uh, to an example of, uh, of a card again. So um, if what we were trying to do, if uh, we started from just the front of the car and then we just wanted to go at the back of the car, but what if uh, somebody also wanted the exact same feature on the side of the car as well? Because eventually that's going to come. If people start adopting uh, uh, forward collision, they would also want rear collision. They would also want sensors on the side of the car. So that's where this uh, agility actually steps in, that you are able to deliver one thing at a time. And then uh, over the years or in the next steps of the project, you just keep on adding on the same, on the same product itself. Instead right. of uh, being like, okay, this I just delivered a front uh, collision detection and this is what you're going to get. And then we start the entire process all over again. So what our management um, actually really enjoyed uh, from this was the whole exercise of what comes next. Because for a lot of times, these projects were always, uh, and a lot of times these projects and new product ideas are thought of, but nobody wants to implement them because, okay, I can do this first, it's gonna cost me X number of dollars. And then if that picks up, we can do product B on top of it. So stepping into, um, Agile from that standpoint was a good exercise, not only for the team because they were not bound by dates of when a research deliverable needs to happen. Yes, of course, there are, uh, like, like, we, like you were saying, there, it's a lot more structured when doing uh, projects in a scrum environment compared to a, a waterfall environment because our scrum cycles were fairly short. And you could actually see deliverables happen, happening a lot sooner in comparison to how things would look when you're doing the exact same thing in, in waterfall methodology. Yeah. So let, let me just let me just uh, let me just recap that a little bit. So I just make sure that I'm that I'm just following the, the sequence. So I mean, in your environment, if you were going to have a project that would do, say, the sensors or the auto automated driving and so on, in, in traditional in a, in a tra traditional project, you would scope it all out. You would you would design it. You would have some period of time, the planning phase or whatever, where you would you would figure it all out, create all of your specs, your your design, your drawings, etc., whatever it is, and then you would you would code build for for a, for a period of time, and then you know 
the, the problem came is that the, okay, the inevitable changes started to come in, which mm -hmm. then caused things to happen, right? You, you know, you, you mentioned those earlier. So now the new process that you're talking about, I think, is you're saying, okay, let's, let, let's replace that, it, it, or correct me if I'm, if I'm misinterpreting this, you're saying, let's replace that by more of a sprint-based model where we're going to say, okay, we're not going to, we're not going to attempt to, to design it front to back before we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to work in basically in, in a, in a, you know, two week or X, you know, X period of time sprints and, you know, use the repetitive model within the, would it be generally the planning executing phases of, of waterfall within that time frame? you'd be, you'd be working or, or, or am I, am I simplifying it? Um, so uh, it, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a very simplified way to, way to look at this, which is great. Uh, but the way we would actually look at this uh, was, so again, uh, this methodology was not created by anybody in our team. Uh, it's, it's something that Tesla did. And we sort of wanted to copy it and then adapt it to the culture for my organization. Um, the way it would, so um, every Tesla Model 3 that you buy comes completely equipped with a full autonomous drive. It's just that you have to pay for the service. A big part of this, why Tesla wanted to do it was um, because the hardware is already there and the customer is paying for it, but as and when the software becomes available, the software features you can you can unlock. So uh, it's it's excellent for what we were trying to do when both the hardware component and the software component need to work to work together, because the hybrid uh, system can't actually uh, it cannot actually work in in situations where uh, you are building an equipment or uh, just going back to the same thing like building a bridge, right? you can't or you shouldn't be trying to be extremely agile when it comes to building a bridge. Like there is a specific way to build a bridge. Uh, you bring in um, the pillars first and then you put the next surface on it, you put your supports in, uh, you pave the road uh, and, 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 and all is taken care of. So when both sides of hardware and software come together, that's where this uh, flexible approach works absolutely wonders because it gives the hardware design team uh, their flexibility uh, because they already know what the end goal is going to be, which is like actually 16 months from now, thinking about how, the, how things are going to, going to evolve, how uh, products are gonna evolve, how technology is gonna evolve. And then the software team, they can do wonders and um, push out an early release software and then keep on developing on it uh, with adding features over and over again. So I, so let me just take another run at this. So the software I can see is developed, you're developed through agile. What's the, what's the waterfall component of, 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 of your installation was, you know, what was, what was, what was happening that was still waterfall? Cause it sounds like that's a lot of agile, right? Which is, which makes sense for, for software development, for new features, you know, being able to push them out to the cars and so on. You can have, regular updates and so on. That's, that's very, you know, a lot of agility is, is involved there, but what is the, what is the, what is the, the waterfall structure that's still there? Like what, what sits in there? I'm just trying to get my mind around that in your example. 
Yeah, so uh, let's say we are, we are building this hardware uh, controller. And I'm just, uh, just gonna go back to the, uh, to the old Tesla um, yep. uh, example. So the way it would work is you build your controller with a waterfall methodology. Okay, okay. But now since, uh, and, and all your scope is picked up not from uh, the, the initial scope that was given to you from uh, a gate zero or a phase gate model, but you pick up your initial scope from the user stories that come to you, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, when uh, from and and uh, what what we did was uh, start this off as an agile project, um, and we would get the product owners in the room, uh, have a discussion with them of the key features that they're looking for. Doesn't matter whether it's on a software level or a hardware level, or even from a UI level, for all we care. So we would. Um, we would look at everything that is needed uh, and everything that is on their wish list. And uh, then the team of uh, project managers uh, would sit down uh, with the development team for hardware and be like, okay, so this is my deliverable for everything in software, UI and hardware. You tell me what hardware requirements you would want. And we build the hardware around that. That's how we would scope our hardware or our controller in, the, in, in that way. And from that point on, uh, the scope was set. Um, and since uh, we all already knew that there might be more changes coming in, so uh, there is a rule of thumb that you always leave 25% expandability on your, on, your, uh, on your board, just as a... Uh, so keeping that in mind, uh, everything was developed in that way. And we had a very good idea of cost in, in, in cases like that from the get-go, because we are thinking much further ahead in comparison to a regular uh, year-long project or a two-year project. Okay, so could I could I say that in that case that you you did the initial you know user stories and so on and got the hardware, software, and user interface together that the hardware development was somewhat more waterfall-esque. Um, that twenty-five percent you're saying with that almost twenty-five percent holdback. You know, yeah. or, or flexibility, but they were following more of a, you know, sort of a structured approach. While agile is is iterating on, or, or sorry, while while software is iterating on the agile side, is that is that the way the two were coexisting? Yeah, and and uh, the way it would work is, uh, uh, and this is where things uh, start to get a lot uh, more complicated from uh, from a project management standpoint, is that. Uh, every uh, every deadline or every milestone that would come from the waterfall methodology, in one way or the other, has to coincide with your uh, your scrum cycles as well, because you can't run both things individually. Right, right. Uh, and and in that case, what sometimes would end up happening is like, let's say if one team is running too fast and the other team is not running as fast. Uh, you would actually want to bring the team together and be like, okay, let, let's sit down and see what the actual concern is here. Why can't we have the same synchronous uh, deliverables from both the teams as we had expected? So in cases like that, there have been uh, situations where we've hit a roadblock and the hardware team's running too fast and the software team's like, no, we, we, we just can't do this. The software testing and the stress tests are gonna take longer or vice versa. Um, so in cases like that, 
it's it's where even the waterfall methodology has to take a little bit of flexible approach yeah uh, and and the way i say that is you are not changing timelines you are not uh, changing your scope and you're not changing the cost but you're actually reevaluating um what the overall impact on the scrum cycle would be yeah no i agree um yeah th this is starting to make this is making sense to me and 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 i can see the way that you know it seems to me that the more your project exists in you know hardware is it the real world sort of like physical world tends to, i think what you know, is tending more towards a bit more waterfall, you know, with, you know, waterfall does not mean no changes ever. Like it, you, you can have change control and flexibility. Like we said, that 25%, you know, variability. Uh, but it seems to me the more, the more hardware-ish you are, the more trends towards waterfall, the more software virtual you are, trends towards agile. Uh, and it's, you're, you're, you're describing the interfaces between them, which is really interesting. A question I have for you is, how does the communication happen between those two teams? Like, are they, were, were there sort of like, I, I've seen in, in the past in different scenarios, teams can get really embraced in their own methodology and almost view the other as wrong as those, you know, the, the, heart, the waterfall people would say, oh, those, you know, those crazy ad, you know, they're, they're just, you know, anything goes, you know, and the agile people could view the water people, waterfall people as, oh, they're sort of stodgy and, you know, rigid and so on. Did, did you experience that? And if so, how did you, what did you do? How did you mitigate? Uh, yeah, this, uh, this, this actually hits super close. <laughs> um, <laughs> the first project that we did had exactly the same problem because uh, people from, the agile uh, team were there. Were, there were some people that uh, that I was working with. They were like they were uh, really they were big believers in no. If a project is going to run, the only way it's going to run is uh, under waterfall. And there were some people who were working on the waterfall methodology team or the hardware team. They were like it's uh, and and they were. Uh, I, I would hear this in pretty much every status meeting, every quarter. It's like yeah, the agile team or the software team gets to do whatever they want. And uh, we just have these like strict timelines and these strict deliverables. I can't move away from them. I have an issue with the with the vendor and then the software team can just go home and work. And it's, it's like a never ending um, battle between how the other one gets away with uh, with doing whatever they want or how the other team has it easier um the best way uh, over the years that i actually have figured or I, I personally think the best way to deal with uh, with this was just have the entire team in daily stand-ups so um there this there comes this uh, uh, transparency from both the teams that know uh, the hardware team has these strict deliverables that they have to deliver. So does the agile uh, side of the project. Like our software team still had those hard deadlines of absolutely no ifs and buts that they have to deliver. The one thing that uh, the agile team or the software team was not very uh, happy about that doing a, a KPI 
and building those performance indexes of how the team is delivering software is a lot easier in a, in a, in a Scrum methodology because you are assigning story points to everybody and then all the resources are assigned to a specific story point. So you, so you get that transparency a lot. Um, people weren't too happy about, uh, and then you know how project teams work, right? Some people are, yeah. some people will just do the work, won't say a word about it. The other people won't do as much and say a lot about it. So yeah, um, one thing was you uh, make sure that, like I, I made sure that uh, the, the entire project team is on daily standups. Uh, when we are running retrospectives, we keep them extremely short, like a 15 minute retrospective, uh, which the hardware and the software team would be in as well. We used to have um, software retrospects where uh, we requested our hardware team to just be on the call and not physically be there so that they can actually do their work but still be a part of the team. And um, the same thing with our, um, with our bi-weekly touch and basis with the hardware team as well. Okay, what's going on? Do you have any issues? Are there any concerns? Um, and we only had one risk register for doesn't matter whether it was for the hardware team or the software team. So everybody knew what was happening. So building that transparent communication uh, pipeline wasn't really easy in the beginning, but as time went along, people did realize that yes, both the teams are working equally hard and um, and yeah, we got along uh, fairly well. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's it's it's interesting when whenever you get people working together, these sort of things come up and, and uh, I agree. I like the, the approach that you're, that you said you took makes perfect sense of, of you know, if teams are apart, there is this grass is always greener on the other side sort of things, almost conspiracy theories start to evolve over there out to get us or something, or, you know, you get all these weird ideas that, that generate and that if you shine the light of communication on them, like put them in the same room, have them have the same, like you said, the same risk register and so on, that they're on the same team, they're just working in different ways. And that mutual understanding goes a long way. Does it solve it completely? Probably not, but but it probably goes a long way towards uh, this whole idea of your my way's right, your way's wrong. You know, which is I I, I yeah, those are what I'll, I'll call they're the purists. You know, they're the ones that they've bought into their methodology, and it's like they've got I've seen it in other other methodologies and so on over the years of these blinders on and they see everything with the tool they have like it's it's the old you know uh you know if you have a hammer everything's a nail uh yeah. sort of sort of thing and that you know if you've got the agile you know kind of messiah everything can be solved in my in, in agile you know or or vice versa you know you, you everything should be waterfalling and that's where you know the more i think enlightened is that you look at it and say okay there are things strengths and weaknesses of both but there's also i think almost almost i i don't know if it's all but probably i'm sure close to all organizations they've got to figure out how these two live together they they i'm sure every organization are strong look at this or at least struggle with this? Um, yeah, absolutely. And like even um, there are some parts of uh, waterfall projects, like you can build a beautiful phase gate model for, um, for a project that's gonna run a fairly bit long, uh, especially going back to like the automotive OEMs where 
um, every every minute is thousands of dollars if production line stops. So in cases like that, even even um, for equipment testing, you can always bring in weekly retrospectives. And uh, I when when I got my uh, uh, when when I got my certified Scrum Master, uh, the mentor that uh, that I was working with on it. He, he told me one thing that was very simple. Okay, again, uh, from his standpoint, um, answers to literally everything is always um, agile methodology. That's what you do. Everything else in the world doesn't work. But what he always told me was look at it from a standpoint of how Scrum helps projects, not how it makes life difficult. So his idea was uh, Scrum or agile methodology is there so that you can deliver product and deliver products faster. That's the difference. That's one of the key differences between the ideology from um, a Scrum uh, Kanban or a waterfall uh, or a phase gate model. Because when you are doing a phase gate model, you're always thinking about delivering a final product at the end of your project. But mm -hmm. with working with agile teams, what I've seen is the advantage of getting that instant gratification of yes, my software works, and then I'm going to add another feature on it, and I'm going to add another feature on it. It's just it's just excellent to see how it develops. Yeah, no, that's a I think that's a really good a really good perspective uh, from from the person that you were talking about about you know how it can help the project and so on. So anyways, on that note, um, I, I think uh, we could talk about this for a long time to come, but, oh. but uh, oh. I want to thank you for your time on this, uh, Dushan. It's been great to talk to you about this. Uh, I think you've, you've opened up a whole lot of ideas and thoughts that, you know, hopefully people will, will think more about. So, and it was great connecting with you after all. Oh, absolutely. It was, it was great to see you. Yeah, and, uh, and I hope we, uh, well, I work for the college now, so I'm pretty sure we'll be in touch. Yes, we, <laughs> we, we will be passing in the halls someday soon. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know when that's going to happen, but I'm looking forward to it. Okay, sounds good. Okay, so take care, and we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, thank you. Thanks, Dave. Okay. Yeah, bye.